Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 41. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In this week's episode, we'll be doing a reintroduction to aviation for pilots who have been away from aviation for quite a while. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to encourage you to consider donating to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to research, write, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and considered donating to the show. Another way for you to support the show is to subscribe to this podcast. That way, new episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your phone. You can subscribe in whatever podcast listening app you are using. And now to today's main topic, a reintroduction to aviation. Before your wheels can ever lift off the ground, you must first make sure that you meet the regulatory requirements. For your pilot documents, you must have a plastic pilot certificate Under FAR 61.19G, no more paper certificates are allowed. You must have the plastic pilot certificate. You must also have a government-issued photo ID, whether that be your passport, driver's license, or an actual government ID. You must have completed a flight review under CFR 61.56 within the past 24 calendar months. For currency to carry passengers, under FAR 61.57, for day you must have three takeoffs and landings, and from night, you must have three takeoffs and landings to a full stop. Your night hours can only count if it's one hour after sunset or one hour before sunrise. However, your three night landings to full stop can also cover for your three day landings as well. You must have at least basic med or a third class medical if you are operating under your private pilot privileges. The rules for medical certificates can be found in FAR 61.23. Today, we'll specifically look at third class medicals. If you're under 40 years old, they're good for 60 calendar months or 5 years. If you're over 40 years old, they're good for 24 calendar months. Again, you also can have basic med, which can be found under FAR 68, and that is only if required. You can fly under basic med as it became effective on May 1st, 2017. All you need to do to qualify for basic med is to go to your local physician as well as complete an online course. We've talked about basic med before on this podcast, but just a quick overview, you must hold a valid U.S. driver's license, must have held a valid FAA medical certificate on or after July 15th of 2006. If you've never held a medical certificate, you must get an FAA medical certificate, regular or special issuance, from an AME one time only. If your regular or special issuance medical certificate lapsed before July 15th of 2006, you will need to get a medical certificate from an AME for one time only. If you have a medical history or diagnosis of certain cardiac, neurological, or mental health conditions, you will need a one-time only special issuance from each condition. If your most recent medical certificate has been suspended at any point in time or revoked, your most recent authorization for special issuance was withdrawn, or with your most recent medical application was denied, you will need to obtain a new medical certificate before you can operate under basic med. 
now that you know you're legally able to fly, you must also check out your physical condition with the I'm Safe checklist. You must not be ill, as in FAR 61.53. You must not be on any medication listed at faa.gov medications or can be found in FAR 61.53. You must not be stressed, under the influence of alcohol, fatigue, or emotion. If you've been away from the cockpit for a long time, you may be rusty on your aeronautical decision-making. Most accidents that stem from bad decisions include at least one of the following factors. Utility, or attempting to squeeze too much utility out of the airplane. Ability, pushing the limits of the pilot's skill or experience. Or fun, trying to have too much fun while in the airplane. This shows up in accident reports as buzzing, low-level flight, improper aerobatics, etc. As you return to the skies, you must also review your pilot personal minimums. When you are a more proficient pilot, landing in a crosswind in excess of 10 knots might not have been a feat. However, now that you're back in the airplane for the first time after a long time away, your crosswind landing skills might not be where they used to be. When comparing your personal minimums to the actual weather, it can be kind of confusing being reintroduced to the setting of a TAF or a METAR. Make sure that you have a complex understanding of the TAF and the METAR and how to read them. In addition to being able to debrief and read a TAF or a METAR, you must also be able to understand a NOTAM. A NOTAM, as we've talked about in this podcast, is a notice to all airmen. Make sure that you are aware of these before you go fly to make sure that you're not encroaching on any TFR or requesting taxi to a runway that's not in service or is currently closed, but also just to make sure that you're able to read a NOTAM when it actually pertains to your flight. Flying the traffic pattern is something you do a million times in your private pilot training. However, all these laps around the traffic pattern are to build your skill. They teach you how to land, maneuver the aircraft safely at slow speeds, and not become saturated with tasks while you're trying to juggle radio communications, maintaining altitude, maintaining heading, and looking out for other traffic and the traffic pattern. Just a quick reminder that you should enter the traffic pattern in level flight at 1000 AGL. You should enter the downwind at the midfield of the landing runway. You must maintain pattern altitude until abeam the approach end of the landing runway. Complete the turn to final at least a quarter mile from the runway. Continue straight ahead until beyond the departure end of the runway. If you're going to remain in the traffic pattern, begin your turn when you're 500 feet AGL. If departing the traffic pattern, continue straight out or exit with a 45 degree turn to the left or right hand whenever possible to get away from the current traffic pattern direction. When communicating on the radio, you must remember that you use the five W's or four W's when speaking on the radio. You must say who you're calling, who you are, where you are, and what you want is typically the four W's. So for example, you would say who you're calling, Minneapolis Center, who you are, November 12345, where you are, 20 miles west of ABC Airport, and what you want, requesting flight following to XYZ Airport. If you're communicating at a non-towered airport, make sure that you be specific. You must say the name of the airport, followed by the model of your aircraft, and your end number. You must state your intentions and end by repeating the name of the same airport. There are different communication patterns for different types of airports. A class Delta airspace will have much different radio communications than when compared to a class Charlie airspace. One thing that you should review when you're flying is light gun signals. Light gun signals are critical if you are ever flying and you have a radio failure. 
make sure that you know what they mean and also where to locate them in your far aim just in case you don't remember what they mean and you do have a radial failure. In the case that you have a radial failure in general aviation, sometimes your best option is to simply fly to an uncontrolled airspace. If you're flying to an uncontrolled airport, you can do a Nordo approach or a no radio approach. You just must be extra vigilant for traffic, but therefore you don't have to worry about the tower flashing you a light gun signal and averting other traffic around you. Especially with ADS-B in, you have a better understanding of where other aircraft are in the skies and therefore can make decisions based off that information. However, you should always be keeping your eyes outside and looking for that traffic, if at all possible. If you have a radio failure in IFR conditions, you should fly your filed flight plan and fly it to your destination. Make sure that you squawk 7600 so that ATC knows that you're having a radio failure. Especially for those pilots just getting back into VFR flight, make sure that you have a complex understanding of the airspace system in the United States. Airspace is incredibly complex, ranging from class Alpha all the way to class Golf. If you're unsure, make sure to go over this with a CFI or simply find resources on the internet. You should make sure that you know your weather minimum, your required equipment, as well as any clearance that you might need to enter this airspace. Again, for especially VFR pilots, you must make sure you remember your VFR cruising altitudes. When you're flying on a magnetic heading from 0 to 179 degrees, you should fly on an odd thousand plus 500. When you're flying on a heading from 180 degrees to 359 degrees, you should fly on an even thousand plus 500. You also must remember that there is special use airspace such as MOAs and restricted areas. Military operation areas, or MOAs, are marked by magenta hash lines labeled as a MOA preceded by the name. While VFR pilots are not prohibited from entering MOAs, they are cautioned to keep a watchful eye out for military operations such as aerial refueling, air combat training, and formation flying. A pilot may contact a flight service station or ATC center within 100 nautical miles of the MOA to determine if it is active and, if so, may request traffic advisories from the controlling agency prior to entry. There are also restricted areas. These are marked with a blue hash line and identified on charts with an R followed by a number. Though not entirely prohibited to flight activity, these are areas in which unauthorized penetration is not only illegal, but also extremely dangerous. Permission to fly into restricted areas can only be given by ATC. Prohibited areas are marked by blue hash lines and are identified with charts with a P followed by a number. They are established for security reasons for national welfare. Prohibited areas are, for all intents and purposes, permanently off limits. An example of a prohibited area is the White House. Although these areas aren't charted, it's imperative to check notices to airmen or NOTAMs before you fly, since some can change in size. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, you must also watch out for TFRs, which are often released with your NOTAMs. TFRs are temporary flight restrictions, and they either are around the president, for example, or around a stadium during a major sporting event. You, as the pilot in command, are responsible for avoiding the TFRs, and you sometimes can get clearance through or into the TFRs if it is allowed by NOTAM and you are cleared by ATC. While this is just a rundown of the majority of things most pilots tend to forget when they go away from the cockpit for a while, there are many other things that you should remember as a pilot in command. Don't overlook the guidance of a good instructor. 
find someone who understands your situation and is willing to take extra time to help you get back into the game. Be clear about your intentions and work together to set attainable goals. Don't be afraid to ask questions or request a review of any segments while flying while you feel out of touch with, like stalls or steep turns. When it's time to start flying, don't be too hard on yourself if you seem to be a bit out of form. A few bumps can be hard to swallow, but that's to be expected. The key is to remain patient and keep at it. A good exercise to help you prime before you even flick the master switch and turn on the key is to spend some extra time with your pre-flight check. It's been said that a pilot certificate is a license to learn, and whether you're an active pilot or one on hiatus, this couldn't be more accurate. Much like a check ride for a new rating, a flight review shouldn't mark the end of your learning process. Staying proficient on the ground is important too. There are many resources available to you as a pilot, including the FAA Wings Program, the Air Safety Institute, the FAA Safety Team, Glime Aviation, Jeppesen, King Schools, M0A, PilotWorkshop.com, which all offer their own Returning to the Skies or Flying Again courses. All of these programs can be found with a simple Google search, but should make you more comfortable as you return to the skies as pilot in command. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to check out last week's episode where I talk about required aviation and aircraft documents. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, please consider subscribing to this podcast and donating to my Patreon. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to all the resources used in today's episode. To access the show notes, simply click on the player image in whatever podcast listening app you are using. Make sure to share this podcast with a friend. This podcast is currently in need of a sponsor. If you know any aviation-related business that is looking for a sponsor, contact me. My email can be found in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353, and let's make the skies a safer place. <music>